Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Two Food Tackle Podcast. I'm your host, Iris from Tackles, we're back again for episode 18, um, 18? 18, 18, um, of 23, the final podcast in terms of our, my daily, daily podcast, of course, the, this is the first time that there will be no World Cup games on in a day, so I will be having a break, a probably much needed break as well, I can feel my body slowly starting to, um, starting to, I wouldn't say shut down, but definitely reject the very, um, the very non-consistent sleep schedule and the and the whole looking at a very very bright light for 45 minutes a day um but um no i it's been it's been a good it's been a good ride so far i've been i've enjoyed it i've enjoyed it a lot um it's kind of a bit insane that we're actually done around the 16 already um we have now got our four quarterfinal games um got our four quarterfinal games um that will be played across the 10th of December and the 11th of December, so that means that the 8th and the 9th are going to be off. So that's of course Thursday and Friday for um Thursday and Friday for what is it Australian Australian um Australian people, which is good. I get to, I get to enjoy two days off, and then after that, after the 11th, I'd go back on the 14th and then the 19th, or the 15th and the 19th, so, um, there's, there's some, there's some big breaks in EO coming up, especially after the semi-final, there's a four-day break between the semi and the final, um, the semi and the final, um, and once again, I think I mentioned this last episode, I'm not doing one for the third-place playoff game, because I probably won't even watch it, it's at 6, it's at, it's at 2am, so I might, I might tune in, but I'm not doing it for the, two, for the third-place playoff game, <coughs> I just can't bother, so, there you go, let's, um, yeah, hope everyone's well. I hope everyone's well. I hope everyone enjoyed the games. Two polar opposite games. Um, yeah, two, two, two polar opposite games. Um, that happened overnight. Yet, of course, Spain, Morocco, which we'll touch on, of course, and Portugal, Switzerland, which had a lot of storylines coming out of that game for sure. But yes, yeah, so I hope everyone's well. I hope everyone enjoyed it. I hope everyone enjoyed the, the games. And I hope everyone is just well in general. Before I start, before we start things, I hope... I want to um, implore you all to subscribe to Two Foot Tackle Podcast on YouTube, um, like the like podcast, notification bell, all that good stuff. Um, it would mean it would mean the world to me as always, and it would mean um, yeah, it would mean the world to me as always. Share it around. Appreciate the support so far on every episode, and um, yeah, in, in the in the in the um, in the three day break or in the two day break between the, the round sixteen and the quarters, um, share it around. Let's say share it around. Give it some love um, and tell people that it's been it's been pretty good. I think I, I hope I hope people have. Um, I've enjoyed listening to this as much as how I've enjoyed um, making it every day, despite it ruining my sleep schedule, despite it draining me. Um, I enjoy it. It's the sacrifices you're willing to make. Um, it is what it is. It's a very enjoyable experience. But let's crack things out and let's start things once again. Probably going to be a slightly shorter podcast like like last like yesterday's was. was. Um, only 35 minutes yesterday, so this one will probably border on 35 minutes as well. Um We'll probably border on thirty five minutes as well, maybe even thirty minutes. So um I guess we'll just have to wait and see. It's it's very it's very difficult speaking about um speaking about only two games. Um speaking about only two games, um, especially when you when one of those games isn't um isn't your team. Isn't your team, put it that way. Um so yeah, let's let's crack things on with Spain and Morocco. Let's start there, of course, of course. That was the two that of course was a two AM kickoff, so we'll go with that one first. <coughs> and um, this is this was a 
very, very interesting game, to put, to say the least. Very interesting game. Of course, Morocco uh, have been have been the, the shock of the tournament, I think, so far. Um, they, of course, topped their group. Um, they didn't lose a game. They topped their group. They um, defeated... Who did they defeat? Belgium. Yeah, they due to Croatia, beat Belgium, and... Um, due to Croatia, beat Belgium, and beat Canada. So they were, of course, very... Very um had a lot of momentum I should say they were very they were riding high on a lot of momentum heading into the round of sixteen, um and they'll come up against Spain a Spain side who was under <laughs> I wouldn't say underwhelming but didn't fi- didn't finish top of their group which is something that they probably would have aimed to aspire for pre um pre tournament but it probably worked out better for them because if they finished second they would have versed Croatia so no if they finished top they would have versed Croatia so I mean I say worked out better for them they they lost so I don't know how well that actually worked out for them. So yeah, when we speak about the game, I speak about the game, and I would hesitate to say that it was a tale of two halves. Um, of course, it did go to extra time, so four halves, if you wanted to call it that, or, or four quarters. But where was the first half was very, um, very. How do you describe it? But it, it was very similar to how I thought the game would go, and the reason I say that is because. There is the reason I say that is because when you have two sides who are very, um, when you have two sides who are opposite in the way that they play of course Spain are a side that are very a very very possession based I mean if you look at the stats from the game Spain had 70, 77% possession right throughout the whole game so um, so they of course were are a very possession based team we of course know just how much I love Spain um, I love the balance that they have I love the, the players that they've got the, how, how well they are how, how capable they are in keeping possession and rotating play and dictating tempo and doing all that good stuff Um that kind of suit, suited Morocco pretty well, in a sense. Of course, Morocco only really considered one goal throughout the tournament to date, and that was, of course, to Canada, um, which was an own goal, I'm 99% sure. So, it is one of those things where... Um, it is one of those things where you look at both sides and you look at... Yeah, it was an own goal, so there you go. So, they actually haven't considered a goal properly yet um, in the tournament. Granted, they've only scored... Oh, they scored four, I guess, but um, there you go. You you look you look at um you look at Morocco and you think okay they're a side that likes to sit back they like to play, I wouldn't say park the bus football because they're too good for that in a way, they're they're too good to say that they play park the bus football they play a kind of a high tempo low a high pressing low block it's weird how they play Morocco when you when you look at it because they aren't a side that sits back and gets a, so many numbers behind the ball and just lumps the ball up to a striker and plays this really kind of bland and very simple game style. They they aren't like that. They're a side that likes to sit back, yeah, but then play expansive football on the counter. They're similar to Japan in a sense. I think I think that's a pretty pretty good um example or a pretty good comparison. They're pretty they're pretty similar to Japan in a way that they like to sit back in the way that they like to play, soak up possession, are very disciplined in possession, yeah, out of possession I should say. Very very disciplined out of possession. But then when they do get the ball they like to play expansive, free flowing football, especially using their, their talented wide players. Um, of course, Hakimi is a very big part of that, get, getting those overlapping overlapping runs going. So, they are a side that do like to use this use their strengths. They're, they're a side that likes to use their strength strengths more than um, yeah. They're like, they're, they're a side that likes to use their strengths more than um, more than what they like to mitigate the damage in in, in that respect. If so, they're a side that likes to. They're a side that's main focus is to exploit their strengths. 
rather than hide their weaknesses in a sense. So I feel like that's a pretty good way of playing football. It's a very exciting way of playing football, no doubt. And when your strengths are Ashraf Hakimi, Hakim Zayech, these very talented players, especially on the ball, very technically gifted. Um, of course, Hakimi, we all know the pace that he's got and the, and the physical ability and the athleticism that he's got. So when you do offer that, when you do have those two players as your real key players who offer that massive... Um, or who have those massive strengths, playing to those strengths just plays a lot, is a lot more of a um, exciting way of playing football rather than just sitting back. Um, the first half was pretty, I wouldn't say it's, I wouldn't say the first half was even, but the first half posed a lot more threats for Spain than what the second half did. I think when you look at the first half, Spain were, Spain were just testing out the waters, playing, playing a little bit of cat and mouse in a sense and just trying to tease Morocco a little bit, try and see whether or not they would ex- overexpose themselves, overexpress themselves, where they can be hit on the counter quickly. Um, but Morocco were very disciplined out of possession, especially when they turned the ball over. They were very disciplined. They weren't. They didn't really allow Spain to. Didn't really allow Spain to get um, any any kind of free space in a way and like get that like free easy chance off the turnover as soon as I turned the ball over Morocco they were sitting they were sitting back in their in their in their um defensive structure very very quickly very um structuredly very disciplined as well so um it is one of those things where Spain wanted to see how Morocco were going to play and Morocco kind of told them very quickly that we're not going to give you an inch especially out of possession we're going to be very disciplined we're going to be very tight and we're going to be willing to kind of just hold just hold whatever whatever you've got and repel whatever you've got um of course, the first half comes and goes. No real um, highlights to come out of that, I don't think, unless my, my memory serves me incorrectly. Um, but then the second half is a lot more of a different story. The second half was a Spain domination. I think that's, that was pretty obvious to anyone who was watching the game. Um, and to be honest, the rest of the game was really a Spain domination. Um, it was a... It was, I wouldn't say masterclass in possession because Morocco kind of did, did go into halftime and kind of just sit back um, kind of just sit back and and kind of wait for um wait for Spain to to try and make a mistake. But Spain, of course, so so gifted in possession, right? Um, so technically gifted, so calm in possession, so composed that they don't they don't really give up any mistakes. They don't really give up any mistakes. They very rarely turn the ball over. They very rarely very they they are very rarely profligate. Especially in the final third, they pick the final pass ninety. They pick the the correct final pass nine times out of ten. It seems like, and it's pretty much finishing that lets them down most of the time. But um, that second half was just a domination. If you bring up the stats, um, from that second half, yeah, it was it was eighty one percent possession to nineteen, um, nine shots, one big chance created, three hundred part three hundred seventy passes to ninety. Um, yeah, it was it was just. It was just a lot of a lot of possession for Spain. Fifteen clearances to three, going Morocco's favour, which just goes to show just how under the cosh they were. Um, yeah, of course, of course, it is. Um, it is one of those things, right? Where you look at it and you think, where you look at it and think, okay, whether or not Spain are going to get the breakthrough. Of course, they brought they bring on Alvaro Morata just after the hour mark, and they bring on Carlos Soya just on just after the hour mark as well. Um, <clears throat> but two players who were looking to. Who are looking to um to try and change the game a little bit? Try and obviously Marat is there to to be a focal point. Of course, I started with Asensio, playing as that false nine, um, which is quite funny when you think about it because Luis Enrique is very heavily against the the notion of a false nine. Um, obviously Asensio plays as a striker. You'd theoretically expect him to be a false nine. However, Luis Enrique has been very adamant that no, he's just a striker. Like he's just an auxiliary striker. He plays as a nine. 
Um, but of course, what Morata offers that Asensio doesn't is that Morata offers that much more of a striker's instinct, striker's presence as well. So it allows it allows space for other players to kind of work into because when you have a when you have someone like Asensio playing up front, he likes to drop deeper. Um, not really, not really press across the back line and get on that goal. Press the final, press the last shoulder and try and get him behind. He likes to drop deep into that half space, into that almost zone fourteen role, which I've mentioned quite a lot in this podcast. Um, almost into that zone fourteen role, where he can get on the ball, get on the ball, try and take a man on, play the ball out wide, get that, get that late runs into the box, the cutbacks. Whereas, and what that allows is that it kind of congests that space. Because you just have another player there, which means you have another player for Spain, which means you have another player for Morocco to man him up. That that just overall congestion from that kind of from that type of striker limits a lot of space because you don't have those runners coming in behind unless you have inverted wingers with the overlapping fullbacks. It's um which I don't which Spain of course don't really have that much of. They started with Ferran Torres on their right hand side, and he's very much a right winger, like a very much a right sided winger. Um, doesn't really like to cut inside. So unless you have those inverted inverted wingers, kind of like the way that Liverpool played for a long time with Firmino dropping deep and then Mane and Salah running in behind. Um, it, it, it's one of those things, right, where you you kind of it's it's to it's to it's to um, is it ta- take Rob Paul to give to Peter or something like that? Um, you 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 allow for space. You kind of add an extra number in midfield to try and occupy to try and dominate possession a little bit more. But then you sacrifice what you have in the final third. And of course, when you bring Morata on, very long winded way of describing that, I should say. When you bring Morata on, um, what that offers is completely different. Morata doesn't drop deep. Morata presses on the last li- presses on the last shoulder. I should say, likes to drop, likes to extend and like push a lot of depth. Or bring a lot of depth to the attack and really press that Moroccan defense back right up until like practically they're on the goalkeeper, right? That's how much of a, I mean, aerial presence he's got. He's still very technically gifted. He can receive the ball to feet, and like his first time finishing is very good as well. So, despite how much Morata has been a little bit of a meme and a little bit of a joke for the longest time, I think, I do think it's he's a very, um, I do think he's a very, um, I think he's a very good player, especially for the national team. I think he's, I think he does very well, and. Um, he 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 showed that as well. Um, he showed that throughout the tournament. He showed that through the Euros last year that he's a still very capable player. But um, he offers something very different to when you offer, to when you get from Marco Asensio or even like a Dani Almo if they play him up front. So, um, of course they bring on Nico Williams as well. Um, for Ferran Torres, pretty much a straight swap there. They bring on Ansu Fati for Dani Almo. Um, just after extra time, swap the left backs around, and then of course it goes into the 118th minute where of course both sides are or both um both both sides couldn't find a breakthrough. Spain continued their domination into extra time. It was a it was a whitewash in that in that mate literally from the second half onwards. Spain absolutely dominated. I mean if you bring up the stats. So in the, obviously in the first half so in the first half Spain only had sixty nine percent possession, but Morocco had more shots. Um <clears throat> in the second half Spain had 81% possession, and then in the first half in extra time, they had 81% possession. And then in the second half of extra time, they had 87% possession. So, so it, like, it's one of those things where where Spain just dominated the ball, they just couldn't find the breakthrough. And <clears throat> despite their, despite them playing like this, and despite me, like, adoring the way that they play, I think that's been, that's pretty obvious uh, in this in this podcast, how much I, I, I really like to watch Spain. Um, in the way that they like to play, in how balanced they are, in how 
um, fluid they are, balanced, like in terms of their positional plays, just second to none. Like it's so disciplined, it's so structured, it's so good to watch. Um, it, the way that they like to play is very risky in a sense because it's not very capable of breaking teams down. They do rely a little bit on individual talent in the final third, a little bit. Not as much as other sides do by any means, but they do a little bit. Um, <clears throat> but what their system does is that it, it it's so good at keeping possession in the middle third. Like They're, they're one of the best sides, if not the best side. I'm going to say like football team in the world, maybe barring Manchester City, who are able to keep possession. Um, they're just so good. But what that, like I said, what that off, what that, like the give and take of that is, um, the give and take of that is, when you don't break teams down, it does be a little bit, it is a little bit boring, it is a little bit, like, not that good to watch. Um, when you can't break teams down, it's just pass, 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 failed, pass into the final third, get that ball back, and then keep doing that again. Um, so, <coughs> um, it is one, of, yeah, it is one of those things. Um, I said that phrase a lot, it is one of those things. Um, but no, of course, Spain couldn't find the breakthrough. It goes all the way to extra time, all the way to the back end of extra time where Pablo Sarabia is subbed on for Nico Williams and Badr Benun is subbed on as well for Morocco. Now I want to bring those up. Episode I want to bring those up in just in a moment. Uh, the reason why I brought that up will be will be made apparent just in a moment. Um. So yeah, game goes pens. Sab- Sabiri scores the first one. Pablo Sarabia hits the post for the second one. Hakim Zayic rifles it down the middle for the for the second one. Um, Carlos Soya gets his spot kick denied. Bader Benun gets his spot kick denied. Busquets gets his spot kick denied. And then Hashraf Hakimi with the ever so delicate, ever so cheeky chip um, to, to seal the game. Now, where, where do we start from this? Firstly, what is with penalties and being fucking dreadful this tournament? Like... Of course, Messi missed. Messi's missed two pens, I think, so far. Um, you had the 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 pens for the Japan cost uh, Croatia game, which were abysmal. The pens here have been abysmal. Lewandowski has missed two pens, I think, or he definitely missed one and had to retake it. Um, I can't remember. Like, has uh, what is with penalty misses this tournament, man? Like, it's seriously, it's seriously like fucked. Like. So many people are missing pens. So many people are, are missing pens in terrible ways as well. I mean, all three of the spot kicks for Spain today were abysmal. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if people are practicing them. I don't know whether or not that's a thing anymore. But um, I think we, ne- I think people need to start practicing them. And the reason why I wanted to bring on bring up the the substitutions of Benun and Sarabia is that both players missed the penalties. Both players were subbed on for the penalties, and both players missed the penalties. Surely, surely, after the Euros, surely people watch the Euros, right? People watch the final of the Euros. If not, they didn't watch it. They definitely, they definitely know of it. Surely, people from that point onwards would have put a blanket policy over, would put a blanket policy over the fucking, over the penalty shootout, and that is, don't bring anyone on. Don't bring anyone off for a penalty shootout. It doesn't work. Nine times out of ten, it doesn't work. Of course, in the Euros, it was um, it was Marcus Rashford and Jade and Sancho, who were subbed on for the pens. Both players missed. Both players missed crucial penalties as well. And here again, Sarabia missed a crucial pen. 
really, if Sarabia scores that pen, it's probably a completely different penalty shootout, right? And even still, Benoon missed the penalty where if he scored, if he scored, they would have won. Right? Yeah, if, if they scored, they would have won, I think. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. If they scored, they would have won. Yeah, because it would have been 3-2. The maximum could have been was 3-2. Because they would have had... They would have three penalties left. No, my mistake. Could have been three all. Okay. So, they would have been closer to winning than what they would have been. Anyway, my point stands. Don't do it. Just It's just stupid. If you're going to bring a player on for pens, bring him on in the, in the 105th minute, where he can have at least 15 minutes on the pitch, where he can get the ball, have a couple of passes exert some energy, get a tackle, get a 50-50 going, win a header, like, where you can get involved in the game, get a feel of the ball. It, how many times have people... I mean, I mean, you can you can do, do research on, on famous penalty shootouts, right? How many... Like, if you do... Like, if, you, if there's ever, like... If there's ever a documentary about a game that involves a penalty shootout, I can guarantee you... I can guarantee you there is a time where, like, the assistant coach goes up to a player who's just been subbed on... For, for an injury or whatever, and the players will be like, nah, I haven't touched the ball. I don't want to take it. You, you just don't do it. Just don't do it. it it's stupid. It, I hate it. That's my most one of my most hated things about football because surely your players can just take a pen. It's it's 12 yards, man. It is 12 yards. Just, what, just welly it. Just fucking just put your foot through the ball, down the middle like Zaytje's pen. Zierch's pen was fucking unreal. Just foot through the ball, down the middle, impossible to save unless you literally don't dive. But if you don't dive, then you're an idiot if you're a goalkeeper. Just put your foot through the ball. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It frustrates me. I mean, it's one of, yeah, it frustrates me a lot. Something that's really frustrated me really ever since the Euros. I haven't been able to get over that. That, that annoyed me so much. So every time I see it now... Um, every time I say it now, it, um, it, it frustrates me a lot. <clears throat> it infuriates me a lot. Okay, are we done that game? I think we are done that game. Anything else I need to speak about? No, we're done that game. Okay, let's move on. Portugal, Switzerland. 22 minutes. Uh, this should get to 35, hopefully. Fingers crossed. If not, I'll force it to get to 35. Okay, Portugal, Switzerland. Seven goals. Seven goal thriller. But before we start. We need to speak about let's speak about the man which I mentioned last podcast, um, and his name has been shunted into the limelight even more. Of course, Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, fucking Ronnie, where do we start? I, I, to be honest, realistically, I should just rename this podcast the Cristiano Ronaldo podcast because I feel like I speak about him every single episode in some regard, whether it's him throwing a strop at United whether it's him getting released from United, whether it's him signing for, signing for a Saudi Arabian club, or whether it's him getting dropped from the Portugal team. I don't want to speak about it. I just want to speak about the football, but he takes up all the fucking headlines. Um, so, apologies there. Let's, um, let's, let's speak about this, shall we? Let's speak about this guy before we speak about the game. Of course, Ronaldo was dropped for a... Must of course for around the sixteen game knockout stage, no second chances style game. Ronaldo was dropped. Arguably the best big game player, arguably the best big game player in the history of football. Cristiano Ronaldo was dropped. Okay, okay, okay. Apparently those those rumors going around pre game that um, 
there was rumours going around pre-game that there was some unrest um, within the dressing room because of Ronaldo. The manager wasn't happy with his behaviour, um, etc., etc. Now, of course, Ronaldo hasn't had the best of tournaments. Of course, he was he tried to take the Bruno Fernandes goal, which, um, which I reckon was that far away from his head. Um, it's not even funny how far away from his head it was. It was, to me, it was night and day, right? But he tried to claim that goal. Of course, it wasn't. Of course, he he didn't get it. Um, it was Bruno's goal, and they had they had to get the fucking the um, <clears throat> not to get the Snico technology, the Ultra Edge. Um, technology on the ball to, to see the waves. Um, but yeah, there you go. And of course, he he was dropped. He was dropped. And of course, Speed was at the game. If you say if you everyone everyone should know who Speed is. But if you if you uh, if you've seen on Twitter the clip, which is quite funny. But where do we start with Ronaldo now? Where do we start now? For the longest time, I wouldn't say for the longest time, but definitely definitely at the start of definitely when United signed him. I said, of course, this isn't about United, of course it isn't. But when United signed him, I said it wasn't a good signing for them because of the baggage that he, that he has, right? And I think this translates into the into the, into the the national team very well. When you have Cristiano Ronaldo in your team, you need to cater to Cristiano Ronaldo. You need to cater to him. He, he is the player, right? He's the guy. He's not like Messi, where... You can kind of shoehorn Messi into different systems because he's a little bit more versatile than Ronaldo. Ronaldo can't really play on the left anymore. Um, doesn't have the pace to play on the left anymore. He's he's a number nine now. He's a striker. Whereas Messi can play on the right, can play as a ten, can play as a false nine if necessary. Um, so, what you the difference between both of those players is you can kind of, kind of play a system around you can kind of put Messi into a system you can't put Ronaldo into a system you need to put the system around Ronaldo and this Portugal side has been that this Portugal side has been that the amount of attacking talent that they've got is is pretty much entirely there to cater for Ronaldo to cater for Ronaldo and why wouldn't you right why why wouldn't you when he's arguably the the greatest goal scorer to um <clears throat> the greatest goal scorer to 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 well, the one of the greatest goal scorers to ever live, right? Arguably one of the greatest goal scorers to still be alive. Arguably one of the greatest players to still be alive, right? So, so why wouldn't you why wouldn't you p- build your system around that? I completely get it, completely get it. But when you have the talents of Felix Fernandez, um, Liao, Andre Silva, like, like, it, it is it is it counterproductive? Is it counterproductive? Because this, of course, was the first time that Ronaldo didn't start a game and and Portugal scored six. This tournament, I'm saying. First time Ronaldo didn't start a game and Portugal scored six. This was by far the most fluent and most um, by far the most fluid and and just easy that they've looked on the eye. They looked free. They looked so. They looked like they could express themselves a lot more. Um, they didn't look like they were restricted by wanting to, by needing to get the ball to Ronaldo. So, so it's one of those things, right? Where it's one of those things where it's a take, it's a, it's a give and take. It's a give and take. It's a give. It's the give of we need to sacrifice a little bit more of our attacking talent 
Because because it goes back to that thing of who would you rather have in your side? Felix, Liao, Bernardo, um, Felix, Liao, Bernardo Silva, um, Bruno Fernandes. Is Bernardo Silva even in the squad? Yeah, he is. Right. Uh, I completely missed him. Would you rather have these players in the squad or Cristiano Ronaldo? Right? That's the question. Because despite, obviously, you can play everyone. You can play anyone alongside Ronaldo. But they don't get to really... They don't really get to play the football that they want to play because Ronaldo's in the team. And 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 because of that, Ronaldo carries a lot of baggage. He carries a lot of, I wouldn't say toxic baggage, but it isn't positive baggage. He, obviously, we all know the ego, and we all know... We all know the ego. We all know the, um, the kind of, it, like it's me mentality, like me mentality, main character syndrome a little bit. But, but I mean, like I, I say this, but I also am fully aware of the fact that in order to be as good as another is, you need to have an ego. You need to think I'm the best. Who are all these plebs around me? Get the ball to me. I'm gonna score goals. You need to have that mentality, right? The best athletes in the world, in across not not only across football but across sport in general, they have that mentality. The mentality of it is me, I'm the best. When you look at like Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Tom Brady, um, Messi, Ronaldo, even like other athletes in other sports, right? The the mentality is get the ball to me, I'm gonna win us the game. That's what it is. Get the ball to me. I'm going to win us again. Ronaldo has that mentality, and it's carried him to being one of the best players of, in the world, right? To ever play the game. But there's a period of time, there's a period where, as a manager, you need to look at the facts and think, okay, we have this player who isn't at his pomp anymore. We're not talking about 27-year-old Ronaldo. We're not talking about 27-year-old Ronaldo that can take the ball past three men and score from 30 yards. We're talking about the poacher. We're talking about the player that needs everyone else to give him the ball to score. Ronaldo can't pick the ball up and score himself anymore. It's very rare that he does that because he doesn't have the... I mean, age is getting to him. He's 37 years old, right? But the mentality is still there where he thinks he can do that. And that is that is the baggage that he's got. He thinks he's still 27 years old. That's what he thinks. But the fact is that he's not. The fact is that he's not. And a lot of his sides play a lot better without him. That is fact. You look at United, United play better without him. I mean, I mean, when you look at United's best game this season, my mind goes to the Spurs game in which he didn't play. And then you look at Portugal. Their best game this tournament by far was this game, and he didn't play. Well, he got subbed on in the... He got subbed on in the 73rd minute in which... In which... Um, um, in which... Portugal only scored one more goal from then on in, right? That was in the 92nd minute. So... So you look at it and you think, okay, what do we, what happens now? What happens now? Because of course, he did. He doesn't start. There's obvious. There's obvious reasons why he doesn't start. It probably worked out for Portugal that he didn't start, and now they go into a game against Morocco where they really should win, and it goes back to okay, what do you do now? What what do you do now? Do you play? Because you can you drop Concalo Ramos. Goncalo, Gonzalo Ramos, Goncalo Ramos, I think. Scored a hat trick. Scored a very, very good hat trick as well. The first finish was brilliant, very, very tidy finish. The um the second finish was was um I can't remember what the second finish was. 
Oh, the second finish was very good. Coming across the front post, near post, um, coming across the, the coming across the front post, ahead of the defender, brilliant finish. And of course, the second goal, the third goal was just delicate, just a delicate chip over the goalkeeper. No, no real flashiness about it. Just very calm and composed. You can't drop him. You can't. You literally can't drop a player who's just scored a hat trick in a round of sixteen game. The first player to score a hat trick at this World Cup. You cannot drop him. So you're gonna leave another out again, again. What happens if he scores another hat trick? Or what happens if he scores two in the next game? Do you leave Ronaldo out again for the semis? What happens if you leave Ronaldo out and you lose? Is that is that the decision that you want to risk? Is that the decision that you that you want to make? Um, it goes. It's one of those things, isn't it? It's one of those things where the the like. A lot of people need to realise, and I think Cristiano Ronaldo needs to realise that he isn't twenty seven anymore. He's thirty seven. He's an he's an old man. He's an aging footballer that cannot do what he used to be able to do. But the problem with that is that he still thinks he's twenty seven. He still thinks that he's the player that can pick the ball up, take three men on and bang it in from forty yards. He's not that player anymore. He still thinks he's that player, which gives him this ego and gives him this aura of superiority around everyone where the fact of the matter is his teams play better without him we saw united's best game this season he didn't feature and portugal's best game best game this world cup he didn't he didn't start ronaldo's teams play better without him and that is why he has this aura and this frustration around the way he plays he's frustrated he's frustrated because portugal don't need ronaldo anymore man united don't need ronaldo anymore he's frustrated it's, it's, it's so bizarre to watch because, and to be honest, I hate watching this. I hate it because, oh, like, I, I, I don't think I've said this, but I, I'm, I'm messy over Ronaldo, right? I've always been, I always will be, I'm messy over Ronaldo. But, but I love the elite. I love the elite in sport, it, just in any sport. I love the, I love the players, the best players with the most pedigree playing in the best games. That's why... I don't really like upsets. I do because they're fun to talk about and the storylines are fun to talk about. But give me a, an Argentina-Portugal final every day of the week over a Japan versus Morocco final, for example. Give me that history, that storyline, the pedigree of the Argentina-Portugal final over a Morocco-Japan final, for example, right? So I love the elite and I hate to see players who... I hate to see players who I've, I want to say looked up to, but I've I've watched for the longest time be the best in their sport. And for them to slowly, slowly fall away and for them to slowly, slowly become a skeleton of what they once were, it's very disappointing. It's very disappointing. But what happens now? Do you drop him again or do you, do you not sign him again? Who knows? Who knows? Like, really, who knows? Because you got to do what's best for the team, and this was their best performance. It's going to cause a massive uproar. And by the way, if it's a, if it's, I'm going to bring the mic closer to me now. If it's an Argentina-Portugal final, and Cristiano Ronaldo does not start, I'm kicking off. I am kicking off. I'm kicking off. I don't care. I don't care. Like, I say this now. I said that you probably shouldn't start him. But if it's an Argentina-Portugal final, and it's not Messi versus Ronaldo starting in the starting 11, playing literally every single minute of the whole game, I give up on football. I give up on football. 
I, I'm I'm going to sue. I think it Z- Z- Zealand who um is a Twitch streamer right tweeted this. He was like, if Ronaldo, if Portugal make the final versus Argentina and Ronaldo doesn't start, I'm suing the Portuguese Football Federation. I'm suing them for for emotional damage or something. Can't do that anyway. If we speak about the game, I think Switzerland were a lot more were very disappointing. You know, in comparison to what we thought they would have been, they are very, they are notoriously a very defensively solid side, and for them to, to concede six goals is um quite disappointing. But it is what it is. There, you can't really say anything a whole lot about it. Um, yeah, it, yeah. Pepe scored again, pretty good header. Um, Goncalo Ramos scored a hatchet, which you just mentioned, and um, yeah, there you go. They go on to versus Spain. That's gonna be interesting. Uh, they go they go on to versus Morocco. I should say that's going to be a very interesting game to watch, no doubt. But let's finish things up, and there's no predictions to do today because there's no games. Um, yeah, I won't be back tomorrow. I think we're done. We're done. Let's finish things up. Thank you all very much for watching. I won't be back tomorrow. I'll be back in two days' time. No, in the in. So of course this goes out on the seventh. I'll be back on the tenth. I'll be back on the tenth. Thank you all very much for the support. I really do mean that because these daily podcasts have kind of put me into a little bit of a wall right now um kind of hit a little bit of a wall but i'm really glad this break is coming despite the fact that i've loved every minute of the football and i've loved every minute of doing this podcast i need a break sometimes right so yeah i'm very grateful that this break is here hopefully i'll come back in a couple of days re-energized revitalized back again to to kick on into the real latter stages and the real meat of the world cup but thank you all very much for watching again thank you all for the support make sure you share it around Subscribe to Two Foot Tackle Podcast on YouTube. Notifications bell, notification bell, all the socials. Follow it would mean the world. Any support does mean the world. I, I promise you that. So yes, see you guys in a couple of days. Stay well, stay safe. See you guys. Goodbye.